Do you love him? Woo! What a joyous day to be here this morning. I know uh, I, I, I appreciate you guys' patience. You know, they let me sing with them. And, and really the only reason that I'm singing with them is because we're, we're still missing a few singers. And so they put up with me, and, um, and I appreciate it. We're needing a, like a Steve Rice or somebody. I know you're watching, buddy. About time you get back on in here. And we're needing some of you guys to, to step up. I know there's some other singers. And, of course, a, a few called out sick today. And, uh, but I really appreciate what Megan is, is doing of coordinating our music ministry. Phenomenal. Phenomenal. Yes. Yes. And um, so I really appreciate them. God is good, isn't he? He is amazing. And all the time, God is good. Praise the Lord. You look good this morning. Look at this group over here. Isn't this great? Look at these guys. Yeah. Woo. Oh, boy. You guys are so blessed to have Paige as your cheerleader. Yeah. And enjoy. I mean, did you guys match today? You got this color-coordinated thing today? Come on. Good deal. They put Billy in the back today, so, you know, keep him straight. They got him caged in up there. Good stuff. Good stuff. If you have your Bibles, I'm going to be looking at 1 Peter chapter 1. And I'm also going to be in Isaiah 9 and 2 and Luke 2. So you can put your finger in 1 Peter and I'll get there in a second. It is just a joy to serve this wonderful group of people, guys. I, I just feel so at home here. And it's just a blessing to be a part of such a family like you who just really are encouraging, uh, are thoughtful, who are, are, who are not self-serving, but who are servants of the great King of kings and Lord of lords. And, and just to see the volunteerism that goes on you know, I, I really do appreciate everyone who jumps in. Um, I, I saw it this past week. I see it often, but I see it through our Mana Outreach Ministries. I see it through the tree lot. I see it through just uh, events that we do. And I am super thankful for all that you guys do. Uh, you are amazing. You guys are awesome. Can you just give yourselves a big hand? Come on. <clears throat> Amen. This morning I want to begin talking about uh, the word that came to us was uh, preparing for Advent and being ready for the coming of the Lord. And some might say, well, what is Advent? Well, I mean, we, we look at that as a, a, a coming uh, or an arrival. And, and so I want us to look at that from the sense of the promise. What are the promises that we gain through this arrival, through this event and over the next few weeks, as, as it culminates on Christmas, uh, the Advent season actually started last week, uh, on, on Sunday of last week, and goes through uh, Christmas Day. And, and I would like us to discover what God, 
the promises that God has given us and, and how God keeps his promise. How many know God's a, a promise keeper, right? And he gives us promises. He gives us a promise of hope. He gives us a promise of love. He gives us a promise of joy. He gives us a promise of, of peace. And, and, and every bit of that really leads back to the manger, to, a, to his coming for us. Aren't you glad that Jesus Christ the king of glory, the king of kings, was willing to leave his habitation of heaven, be willing to come down and robe himself with flesh like you and I, and to suffer all things like we do, willing to die on a cross for our sins to be raised again on the third day that we might have the same hope of resurrection. Isn't that amazing? Amen. Thank you, Jesus, for doing that for us. How many of you guys are ready for Christmas? We've got a few hands ready for Christmas. I mean, it's more of an emotional ready. I, I understand. I'm more of the emotional ready side. You know, uh, I don't know that we actually have broken out a single box of decorations to do anything yet. Matter of fact, yesterday, I finally picked up the hay bales and the corn stalks and the pumpkins uh, that were at the house. I said, well, I guess it's past Thanksgiving, I probably should take this stuff up, you know, especially since the grass growing in it was greener than the grass on the ground, you know what I'm saying? I was thinking I could spread that out through some patches and say, man, we could go ahead and seed the ground, come on, right? I mean, I don't know, as a child, do you remember the anticipation that you had for Christmas? You know, being down here working at the, Kim calls it the car lot, uh, it's actually the tree lot. We're not selling cars down there. It's trees. I said, that tree place down there, you know. And, uh, and so she's got me calling the car lot these days. So I have to remind myself, it's not a car lot. It's not a car lot. It's a tree lot. But like yesterday, these kids got out of the car. And it's like, Santa's here. I mean, I'm talking. They were pumped. Mom and daddy were grabbing them behind. No, you can't run across the road. Come on. And there was just such an anticipation of, of what is to come, you know. And, and um, we have this little box where kids can fill out, you know, what they want from Santa. Uh, and uh, it, it's, it's uh, great. The box is absolutely full every day, you know. And, and I'm thinking, wow, there's such an anticipation. There's such an excitement of uh, and a, a hope of this is what I'm wanting and this is what I'm going to get. And, 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 and there's that sense in us, right, of, of being ready for Christmas. I don't, like I said, I'm not sure that I'm much ready for Christmas. Um, but I do, <laughs> absolutely. I'm waiting for the donated one that you're going to donate. <laughs> And change a life. The biggest, you know, actually I won't want the biggest one out there, but I'm afraid I'll have the lampoons, you know, Christmas going on, right? I mean, we've already had to run a squirrel out of the Christmas tree lot. Yeah, it's a true story. When the squirrel went to church, oh. So. And, and so, uh, anyway... The truth is, is it's really it isn't easy waiting, is it? I mean, I, I was one of the kids that mom would, would shop early. She was one of those early shoppers, and she would wrap the gifts and put them under the tree. 
And I was the one who would sneak at night, crawling in there, picking every present up. Jessica, you were one of those two, wasn't you? I know you were. You just, I can see it on your face, right? And, and I would shake. I'd feel the weight of that. Like, hmm, what's this? I'm not sure if that was on my list. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? And, and then on, on, on Christmas Eve, it's like mom was like, go to bed. You know, and, and now I understand that. I won't talk about that. But I understand that now. <clears throat> but she's like, go to bed so Santa could come. And I'm thinking, you know. But then I was the first one up. And it, it's crazy, right? You don't need an alarm on Christmas Day. You need an alarm for school. But you don't need an alarm on Christmas Day. I mean, I'm like, boom, I'm at 5 o'clock in the morning. Bing, woo, let's go. And I'm running in there like, Mom, Mom, let's get up. I mean, Santa's come. You know, and she's like, huh? <laughs> right? It's not easy to wait. But waiting is at the very heart of this season. The season right now, Advent, the coming meaning the coming or the arrival. And during uh, these few weeks as we're leading up to Christmas, I want us to look at the promises that the Lord has made to us and, and look at the future arrival of, of the second coming, right, of our Lord Jesus Christ. How I many are looking forward to that? Amen. At the center of our faith and the center of our belief that Jesus Christ was born in the manger started something beautiful and, and, and we're right in the middle of that. Even in the middle of our mess, we have this hope that Jesus Christ is coming back, right? I mean, through his life, through his death, through his resurrection, we, uh, we will be restored. And, and God will restore all things to the way that he intended them to be. Come on, are you, isn't that amazing? And we'll have this arrival of hope and peace and joy and love. And, and I want us to see that hope. Hope is a word that, that we often use during this season, uh, I was actually watching a, a little show with, with Jaden the other day, and, and this one character says, don't give me hope. And I'm thinking, man, hope's a powerful thing, isn't it? Because when you have hope, you can endure no matter what. You, you can say, well, I know that I've got this. I know that everything's going to be all right, so no matter what comes my way, I don't care. I know that God's got this. What a hope that we have, right? I mean, some people are, I hope this tree fits in here. <laughs> Billy has, uh, I, I heard him tell that he was trying to sell the big trees this week, right? He said, I know it'll fit. He said, you can cut things off. It'll fit. And this, one, this, one, this one lady, I mean, bless her heart, she's got an eight-foot ceiling. She's wanting a 12-foot tree, man. <laughs> That's a true story. <laughs> and... and and it was like, the husband was like, honey, it won't fit. She's like, but I love this tree. <laughs> but honey, it won't fit. But it, it will fit perfectly. <laughs> I told that guy, I learned something from Josh Spillers. He says, it's, it's, you're either happy or right. And I looked at him and I said, bro, happy or right? <laughs> happy or right? Guess what they went home with? <laughs> really? They went home with that big tree. I'm like, okay, there you go. <laughs> I mean, we hope that grandma doesn't burn the ham. 
We hope, you know, that it snows. We hope. We have a, a long longing for things we hope for, but I think too many times we're hoping for trivial things. The scripture's really more. It's an understanding of the word hope. Peter says it this way in 1 Peter chapter 13. He says, therefore, prepare your minds for action. Keep sober in spirit. Fix your hope completely on the grace to be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Wow. Right? I think that gives us something deeper than just a hope for a tree to fit or a hope for it to snow or a hope I get this for Christmas. Oh, wish I my Christmas is my two front teeth. Oh, I mean, you know, right? Most of the time we're, we, we, when we talk about hope, it's in terms of the future. But, what, but in reality, hope has a lot to do with right now. Isn't that right? Peter uses this phrase, you know, Prepare your minds for action. Another version says, with minds that are fully sober. The, the literal translation of this is found in the New King James Version. It says, gird up the loins of your mind. Doesn't make sense, does it? Gird up the loins of your minds. This phrase comes from the ancient way that men dressed. Because in the ancient way, they would wear a, a long tunic or a coat or a shirt that would be so long and and in that dress manner they were unable to do something quickly I mean you recall that that the servant of Elijah had to gird up his loins to take off running right or Elijah himself to gird it up himself to take off running and, and so literally it's it's taking that tunic or that coat or that shirt and picking it up and tucking it into your belt so that you have the liberty to take off running, right? And so what he's saying is, is you need to allow your mind to be able to be active, be sober, be vigilant, if you will, to, to, to have your mind sober in spirit fixed on your hope. Come on, right? Hope is not meant to be something that only Im impacts our future, but it is something that actually should impact even right now. As we recognize that our future is shaped by the present, we should be fully aware that, that both hope is now and then. Come on. Amen. Hope is a certainty about the future that impacts the right now. It's that I know that I know. I hope is not set in something, some ambiguous optimism that I just think, well, I think that this might happen sometime down the road. So, so I'll just, you know, get ready when that time comes. Sounds like a lot of people in their faith with Jesus Christ, does it? Our hope is set in a specific moment or specific moments in history. I mean, it is... Not ambiguous that Jesus Christ was born. Come on. It, it's, it's, not, it's not unclear. It is absolute fact. It is, it is in the annuals of history. You can read about it. Uh, no matter what faith you are, whether it's Muslim, whether it's you know, Buddha, whether it's Christianity, there's not a doubt that Jesus Christ was born 
and walked on this earth. It is not ambiguous. And because we have this historical fact, we also have a hope that if he said he'll do it one time, he will do it again. Amen. I mean, we know that he lived on this earth. We know that he walked on this earth. We know that he was crucified. It is historical fact that it happened. We know that he rose from the dead, whether some want to make it unclear we have 500 witnesses on the day that it happened and you can't deny that it didn't happen amen and so therefore because we have this hope we know that we're living right now based on the hope that we have that Jesus Christ will return again amen so what do we have to do we have to restructure our mind we have to reorient our thinking of how do we live in the light that we know for a fact that Jesus is coming back that'll preach right there are we living in a way that we know for a fact Jesus is coming back. Now, we, we gather and grasp the understanding that no one knows the day nor the hour. We can grasp the seasons. And we have no doubt that we are living in seasons that are anticipatory of his coming back very soon. Right? We can see that taking place around us. And so, therefore, how are we living? Are we living in the light that Jesus Christ could come back at any moment? I mean, this hope is about our reshaping our mind to look at the world in a different way, to look at how we live, to look at the right now, to say, Lord Jesus, we want to live for you as if you're coming back right now. Amen? I mean, look, I've got some hope, right? I've got hope because I've seen my parents, you know, of seven children. How many know raising kids is not cheap, right? And my present sufferings <clears throat> with two children, really not children anymore, my, my youngins, my young adults who are in college. <laughs> I, oh, Lord, help me. Y'all feel that? Lord Jesus. <laughs> I mean, my present sufferings is, is the fact that I've got two kids in college. I've got two kids in high school that, uh, that my insurance has escalated. And, and I think that they were, I think that they're, you know, somewhere in their lineage is a horse or a cow. Because <laughs> they eat like horses and cows. Right? Boys, you understand, Vicky, absolutely, right? I, I, I cannot even imagine having three boys at a time. <laughs> Lord help you. <laughs> but I have this hope because I've seen the process of living that one day that won't be, right? And so because of the hope I have that one day they'll take care of themselves, One day they won't live in my basement. One day they'll pay their own insurance. One day they'll be buying their own food. It allows me to 
to live now with a joy of my relationship with them and not a drudgery of what I have to do for them now. Because I know that one day I'll get to hold a grandbaby or something. There'll be something valuable that comes out of this. It'll be glorious. <laughs> After you're married. <laughs> a mark of almost every person within, Christ, within the Christmas story is that they were full of hope about a fulfillment of a historical promise. They knew that there was a promise that would be fulfilled. Isn't that awesome? You know, Isaiah chapter 9 verse 2 says, The, the people who walk in darkness will, be, will see a great light. Those who live in a dark land, the light will shine on them. You know, the Old Testament holds a whole lot of promises. It holds a whole lot of prophecies about the coming of Jesus Christ. Each each one helped sustain the Jewish people during their times because they believed that one day they would be rescued. One day they would come out of this darkness. One day they would come out of the bondage and slavery they found themselves in. There was an old man named Simeon within the pages of Scripture. We find that in Luke chapter 2, and I'll, I'll read that in a few moments. And Simeon is, is a wonderful character in the in the story of, the, of Jesus Christ coming. A perfect example of someone who was oriented, who, who had oriented his whole life around the future promise of a son to be given, of a savior that would come. His whole life was waiting for that moment. Isaiah 9 and 2 would, would have been a, a centering prayer for, for Simeon. A, after Jesus' birth, Mary and Joseph, Jesus' parents, they took the, the newborn son to the temple, and there he was. A, amen? I mean, they were just following Jewish customs for the day, and, and one of the main reasons to travel to the temple was to dedicate and consecrate baby Jesus to the Lord. And when they arrived at the temple, here was Simeon. And this is what the Bible says in verse 25 of Luke chapter 2. It says, and there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon. And this was a righteous and devout man looking for the consolation of Israel. And the Holy Spirit was upon him. Verse 26. And it came and it had been revealed. Come on, somebody. This is great. Thank you, Danny, for letting me borrow these glasses this morning. <laughs> and it, and it had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not see death before he had seen the Lord's Christ, the Messiah, the anointed one. And he came in, in the spirit into the temple. And when the parents brought in the child Jesus to carry out for him the custom of the law, then he took him into his arms and blessed God and said, Now the Lord, now Lord, you are releasing your bondservant to depart in peace according to your word. For my eyes have seen your salvation, which you have prepared in the presence of all peoples. A light of revelation to the Gentiles. Come on. And the glory of your people Israel. And his father and mother were amazed at the, at the things which were being said about him. And Simeon blessed them and said to Mary his mother, Behold, this child is appointed for the fall and rise of many in Israel. And for a sign to be opposed. And the sword will pierce even your own soul to, to the end that thoughts from many hearts may be revealed. Wow. You know, some traditions 
put Simeon at like 112 years old. Can you imagine that, 112 years old? According to Luke chapter 2, Simeon was promised that he would not die before he, before he had seen the anointed one. Before he had seen the Christ, the Messiah in the flesh. His life would be spared until the, that day that he set his eyes on Jesus Christ, that child. By the prompting of the Holy Spirit, Simeon was at the temple on that day. He was there as the family arrived so that he could see this moment. And when, and when Simeon saw Jesus, he, he knew. It's like it automatically he knew this, was, this is the Christ. He was overcome by joy. He was overcome by, by the hope of this hope that he had been waiting on, this hope that, that had been in his heart all these years. I will not die until I see the Christ. I am excited. I am waiting for this moment. All of a sudden, woo! You know, I don't know about you, but I, when, I, when I'm 112, I'm sorry, baby. You might have to put up me to 112. Come on! But to think of this man who was at the end of his age and the excitement and zeal that he had. He had been waiting all these years for this one moment. If you'd been waiting for something for this many years, wouldn't you be excited? Wow. To realize that he was literally holding the one in his hands, the one that the world had been waiting on, the one that, that, that had been prophesied, the one that, that would change everything was right here in front of him, the baby Jesus in his arms. And he did, then he begins to recite this beautiful prayer. I don't know about you, but I just can't imagine how he felt. I just sensed the excitement to know that the thing that he had hoped for for so long had finally come to pass. All these years, he had seen so much pain. He had seen so much trials and so much heartache. I mean, you got to think in 112 years what he saw during that time. I, I think even to my, my grandmother-in-law, who's 99 years old now, and, and, and to think of what she has saw in her lifetime in the last 100 years. I mean, in December, she'll be 100 years old. Somewhere there and there. And, and my daughter had the opportunity to sit down with her and do an interview to talk about what that looked like of her life and to hear the stories. And, and it's amazing. But can you imagine what he saw? I mean, he saw how Rome had conquered and occupied the people in his land. He saw the, the bloody civil wars. He saw the multiple revolutions by the Israelites, uh, Israelite people and how they'd been crushed so many times. And, and yet in the midst of all of that, in the midst of all of his difficulty... This glimmer of hope shows up at the temple, this thing that he had been waiting on, this thing that God had promised. And so many times I believe that God's promise to us is, is turned away because we walk away thinking that it will never happen. And yet if we'll just wait, if God said it, guess what? It will happen. Whether you believe it or not, if God said it, it will happen. Amen. Amen. And so here he was. He still believed that God was not done and, and that God would not quit on him and that God will fulfill his promise. And, and because he was there, because he was led by the Spirit, he was there on the day that the Messiah, the Deliverer, showed up. What an awesome thing to, to have in his hands, the promise of God. Wow. Look, hope is birthed out of deep longings and desperate need. Amen. And in that midst of that presence, God says 
I love you and I've come to comfort you. He tells, Luke tells us that Simeon was waiting at the temple for something very specific. And if you look at that scripture, it says, looking for the consolation of Israel. Looking for the consolation. What does, what does consolation mean? It, it, it literally means encouragement. It means comfort. This, this didn't mean that he was waiting for God's pat on the back. So many times I think we're waiting for God's pat on the back. It's going to be all right. He wasn't waiting for God's pat on the back. He wasn't waiting for a few nice words from God. This, this phrase was in reference to chapters and books of, uh, throughout Isaiah of what had taken place of the hardship and all the pain and, 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 and the turmoil that Israel was in. And in the midst of that turmoil, God delivers a word that in darkness I will bring light. I think that too many times we focus more on the darkness than we do on the light. I think too many times we're just looking around, you know, God, uh, we're, you know, the... We're going, I mean, it seems like everything's going to hell in a handbasket. It's horrible. And we're so focused on that, and yet God's given us a promise that we win. He's given us a promise that, that as Christians, as people of God, we are victorious. We, we can't walk around hopeless because in a season of hope, why did Jesus come? He came for us to find victory. He came to bring salvation. And if the people of God walk around gloomy and in doom because the world seems to be going bad, can you imagine what Israel was like in the occupation of Rome and how they were literally sacrificing Jews on crosses, right? They were impaling Christians. They were burning them on the flame. And we think we've got it bad. We think, oh, it's, it's horrible. Life is bad because America is not what it used to be. And yet we put our hope in politics. We put our hope in, in a system. And this system will fail. There's only one hope that we have, and it is a kingdom hope. And it is a kingdom that is not of this world. It is the king of kings and lord of lords that has given us a plan. And when we walk in the kingdom plan, his, he says, you can look to me in my righteousness and all these things will be added to you. You want something from God, then look to him. Quit looking at every circumstance and every uh, thing that's around us and begin setting your eyes on Jesus Christ. Because our hope is built on a deep longing, a desperate need, instead of looking at the world with the idea of, oh, it's going bad, look at the idea of, man, God must be getting ready to get, come back. <laughs> Amen? Something good's about to happen. Something's about to be birthed in, this, in the midst of this darkness. It was in the midst of that that Jesus Christ came the first time. And I believe in the midst of our darkness, in the midst of our darkest hours, Jesus Christ will reveal himself once again. And I believe that he is revealing himself even now in individuals who are willing to serve him, who are being his hands and feet to the world. And, and, and people are looking for hope, and we have the hope in us. Amen. Somebody come up here. I'm going to be closing in a minute. Y'all get ready. Get ready, get ready, get ready. 
That's the T.D. Jakes thing. Get ready, get ready, get ready. All right? For hundreds of years, Israel had been destroyed by, by different nations. The Syrians, the Babylonians, the Persians, the Greeks. At that moment, the Romans. And these chapters were written you know, of, of all of the atrocious things that had gone on. And yet here, in the midst of that, God says, I want to give you hope. In the midst of that, God says, I want to comfort you. God, God says, I want to encourage you. I often wonder, I think of Joseph down in the pit. I think of him in prison. I think, whoa, how many times would we give up in those moments? How many times would we turn our back in those moments? How many times would we sit around and just be critical and complain? One thing that I, I, I was reading, just reading over First Peter this morning, and, and I was looking at verse 10 in First Peter. It says, as to this salvation, the prophets who prophesied of the grace that would come to you made careful searches and inqu inquiries, or inquiries, <laughs> whatever you're going to say, seeking to know what person or time the Spirit of Christ within them was indicating as he predicted the suffering of Christ and the glories to follow. In verse 12 it says, It was revealed to them that they were not serving themselves. And they hit me so hard that these prophetic words were not self-serving. The gifts that God was giving, the words that God was speaking were not self-serving. They were meant for someone else. They were meant to bring someone else to that knowledge. And I think that so many times, we as, especially in our cultural Christianity of the United States, we have made Christianity so self-serving. We've made it all about us. It, and, and, we, and we get happy and comfortable. And, and, and when we're uncomfortable, and the preacher's when the preacher has to correct us or the preacher has to say something, and we talk about this, sometimes we talk about, boy, you're stepping on my toes today, Pastor, right? We talk about those, man, I had to wear my steel toes today, but, but in, in reality, there's so many people who are bouncing from churches to church because, because they can't handle the truth. They've made, they've made this religion not a relationship, but just an, a thing that helps take the guilt off of them. There's a deep hole that needs Jesus, that needs a peace of God. There's a deep hole in us that longs for something bigger than ourselves, but we're too busy trying to find it in things that are self-serving. We, we, we do our shopping. We do our eating. We find illegitimate relationships. We find substance abuses. We find doctors who will tell us what we want to hear. And the Bible even says this, that they'll bring to themselves People who will tickle their ears with words that will just tell them what they want. And become self-serving. And, and we lose sight of the real hope, the hope that Jesus Christ is coming back for a people who are ready for him. A people who are living out as if that moment could happen at any time. Amen? Amen? Many of you have heard of Dietrich Bonhoeffer who wrote a book called The Cost of Discipleship. 
And if you haven't read that, it's a little hard read, but man, it's powerful. But he said something about the Advent. He says, the only ones who can celebrate Advent are the people who carry rest, restlessness around with them, whose souls give them no peace, who know that they are poor and incomplete, and who sense something of the greatness that is supposed to come. When I read that, I, it slapped me in my face. Am I restless? Am I recognizing that, that there's a world that is so desperately in need of Jesus? And how am I responding to that? Do I sit around and just complain about it? Do I sit around and be frustrated? Do I blame this administration or that administration? Or do I recognize that that things happen for the fulfillment of God's plan to take place? Look, I, I, my hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness. That song goes on and says, I dare not trust a single frame, but wholly lean on Jesus' name. On Christ the solid rock, I stand. All other ground is sinking sand. My hope is built on nothing less. Why would I build my hope on systems that will fail? Look, I'm not telling, and please help, please grasp a hold that I'm not telling you not to do your civil duty. I'm not telling you to participate in our society, but I'm telling you that our hope cannot be built on those things. Our hope, I mean, if, if our hope is built on that, then we are leading a whole lot of people astray. People need to know Jesus Christ. People need to know that he is the only way, the truth, and the life. That deep longing that we sense is for him and him alone. And if, if I mean, I look at Simeon again and I think, all these people, how did all these people miss the coming of Jesus Christ? How did all these people, think about this. They had been told from Genesis chapter 3 that and they had this longing that a Savior would come from the very beginning. They had this longing. And can you imagine that in this longing, come on in, guys. And in this longing, how could they miss the very coming of the one that they had been prophesied about over and over again? How is it that Simeon, sitting in the temple, knew about it, and everyone else missed it. Expectation. See, too many, too many times, we've made Jesus into this expectation just to meet our needs. And when Jesus wasn't what they were looking for, when Jesus wasn't what they thought he would be, 
They missed it. But, but Simeon is sitting there and said, look, my hope is, is in Jesus Christ, the Messiah, the, the anointed one. And, and whatever that looks like, I believe. I mean, look, he was looking at a baby, vulnerable, a baby that didn't look like it had authority or power, didn't look like it was a king. It was just a baby that a mom and dad filling the law brought him in and, and just doing the duty. But somewhere he, he looked and he saw and he said, this is the Messiah. Because his expectation wasn't about himself. It was about the fulfillment of what God was going to do. This season, we can, we can look around and we can have false expectations what Jesus is for us. But I'm have, I want you to, to take a moment during this season and say, Lord, I pray that you'll help me to see the pain that is in our world so intensely. As Simeon saw the pain and he looked at Jesus and he recognized this was the consolation. This was the comfort. This was the encouragement that was come. Don't push past. Let yourself feel the atmosphere that's around us. Let yourself sense the brokenness that is around us. And how many know there's brokenness around us? Look, I am so frustrated with my parents that I could spit. Last year, COVID kept us from getting together. Well, now this year, they're like, well, it was, it's, it was so much easier last year. Let's not do that again. I'm like, Mom, we've been getting together for, I'm 48. We've been getting together for 48 years. What do you mean? Not get together. And I realized that there's all these little nuances of family, right? We can get frustrated with it, right? It's easy to get frustrated. Oh, aunt so-and-so's coming. Oh, God, help us, right? But I'm not saying look, don't, don't, don't look and say, you know what? God's given us an opportunity to meet together with broken people. And I'm coming in as one that's broken, I don't get it right. And I'm coming into love and courage. And help me, in the midst of this brokenness, be able to express a hope, live out hope now that I know that God's going to bring it all together. Help me live out every moment, whether it be the women's Christmas party, right? We know there's some Wonderful people are going to be there. Amen. This they are. Whether it be going to somebody's house, visiting, whether it be in relationships, hanging out, whatever that looks like, you are the bearers of hope. Don't look, don't, don't sit there and focus on the negativity. Don't sit there and focus on the things that you don't think is right because all that does is it takes our eyes off of the one who brings hope to everyone. And it causes us to miss the very presence of God himself that is with us. For he said, I am Emmanuel, God with you. 
And instead of looking at everybody's brokenness, stop for a moment and say, Lord, I acknowledge that you are in this place. And Lord, for whatever, whatever reason that you've brought me here today, God, help me to be the light in darkness. And if I'm light amongst light, Lord, help the lights continue to shine. Help us to be that way. Father, I thank you, Lord, for the hope of glory. I thank you, Jesus, that your presence is real. I thank you, God, for examples of, of Simeon who, who shows us someone who, who waited all of his life. Lord, who was with anticipation, even in the pain, was willing to allow that pain to dig deeper into him to say, Lord, I just gives, it just gives me that much more anticipation that you are coming. And Lord, instead of allowing the things of the world to impress us or push us down, Lord, allow them to help us to look more intently at you and say, God, I am so excited because the, the more that this world goes in chaos, the greater hope I have knowing that you are coming back. And Lord, help me to live every day with the knowledge that you are coming back. Help me to take every decision and make every moment worth it all because I'm looking at you and your response. And I love you, God. And I thank you, Jesus, for saving my soul for changing my life, and I surrender to you, Jesus. I'm going to sing that song, I Surrender All. I know you have something planned, and, but could you sing that, I Surrender All? Oh, to Jesus, I surrender all to him I free. together. Would that be your prayer this morning, that you would surrender all to him, that this would be that moment? And if you feel like you'd like to come forward, I know we're going to do communion in a moment, but if you feel like you'd like to come forward and, and, and take a moment just to spend with him, to surrender that, whatever that burden is you're carrying, whatever that heartache is, whatever that trial that you're carrying today, would you be willing to say, I want to give that to Lord Jesus? Would you sing that again? I
you so much. God bless you. Love you. Be friendly. Shake hands. Be friendly. See you guys.